Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. I've been in a series called Lightweight, um, and it's W-A-I-T, um, in waiting. And let's just, let's just all agree, we don't like to wait. We don't want it. We don't like waiting in any shape, form, or fashion. I like San Angelo for lots of reasons. But one of the reasons I love San Angelo is that I stop at a red light once. I don't have to stop at the same red light and wait multiple times. You go to Dallas or you go to Houston. Houston, you can sit at the same red light 12 times. I mean, you might as well just take a book, you know, and just scoot up a little bit and then read some more. I mean, it's horrible. But in San Angelo, Texas, you're supposed to stop at the red light one time, and that's it. And I get irritated because, you know, you sit there, and, and there's a light here. There at Come Up Avenue N, there's the Starbucks, there's H-E-B Avenue N in Sherwood Way. And I've had to wait at that light two times, lots of times. It's like every time, it's like, ah, what have they done to us here? We're not supposed to have to do that in San Angelo. And it's so frustrating and exposes my impatience, and it's not a good thing. And so, but we so want everything quickly, quickly, quickly. And the problem with that is, is that we're, we're called to enjoy all of life. Jesus says that he came that we may have life and have it to the full, have an abundant kind of life. And if he's wanting to love on us and minister to us and have us, have us have a full life, then that means every second should count. Every second of it. Every piece should count. And so many times we get so wrapped up on something that hasn't happened yet. And, and we get so in this place of anticipation, it turns into anti-patience. And all of a sudden now we've made our lives miserable being excited about something wonderful. So let's look at James chapter 4, I mean James chapter 1, verse 4. It says, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So there's this place where we're imperfect and incomplete and lacking, but if we'll let patience have its perfect work, we're moving towards being perfect and complete, lacking nothing. But we have to let patience do its thing. We have to recognize that as we're growing into Christ-likeness, we're not always there yet. But it doesn't have to be that just because we're not there yet doesn't mean that it's not good. And so Kenan had shared a, a story with me late in the, the school year this past year. Kenan's our oldest. We have, if you're new to us, we have seven kids. Uh, you might have seen the news story on KSAN KLST on Kenan. So... And so uh, they did a very good story on, on Kenan and his travels and preaching. It was really cool. And um, anyway, so that kid um, was picking up our uh, child that was in kindergarten this last year. It's Colin. And he had got her from school and connected on, on that front. Or, or maybe he saw her after school or whatever. But he's asking her, does the thing we all do when we reconnect and haven't seen one another all day? He says, say how was your day? Get asked that all the time. So Colin was in her little zone, and she's just going to blow him off. And she's like, oh, it was good. And so he was wanting some details. And so he's like my buddy Stuart. He wants some details. And so, 
And uh, so he's like, no, no, you can't just tell me it was good. It's how good was it? So then she's like, well, it was about up to Jesus' knee. And that was her explanation for how good her date was. And so, and, I, and you know, and it's pretty funny, but it's one of those things where, where we recognize that the, that the fullness of God is ours. But you know what? Sometimes we're just about to Jesus' knee, but that's still good. Jesus is involved. Jesus is there. When we recognize there's some places where we continue to step into more goodness and more greatness. And so what we want to recognize is we want to recognize the work of God in our lives. And in fact, if we look at Ephesians chapter 11, we see this thing about growing into the fullness of who God is that maybe that kindergartner understood more than we give her credit for. In Ephesians 4.11, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service or ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. Doesn't it make sense that God's trying to get his kids all together and connected and unified and on page to one another? Makes sense. Parents do that all the time. So he's trying to get us to reach unity in the faith. And in the knowledge of the Son of God, we want to know God better and trust Him more. And become mature. If we're having to become mature, that means we're immature. So become mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness in his in their deceitful scheming. So here's this place where, yes, we're infants. And it says he wants us to no longer be infants, but to start out as an infant is understandable. It's okay. But we should be growing and growing into what? Into the full measure of Jesus. And maybe in our walk with God, we're up to Jesus' knee. But in that, it is still good. It's still good. Maybe we're not there yet, but there's some good stuff happening. And so many times we can get so wrapped up. When I was uh, first connected real deeply in my walk with God, I decided that as I read through the scriptures, that um, all the apostles and Paul, they had a full revelation of who Jesus was. So I decided that I was going to fast until I got a full revelation of Jesus. Uh, that sounds real smart, doesn't it? And so um, I was pretty much just throwing a spir spiritual temper tantrum, but it sounded real spiritual to a 20-year-old. And so I just quit eating. So I still was in college and working as a landscaper, and I'm working hard outside and doing my studies. And I get about five days into this fast, and I haven't had anything to eat, and I'm still working and all those things. And, and praise God, my strength was sustained because I would have been extra bullheaded and wouldn't have wanted to give in if I'd have felt really weak. And um, so I'm just praying, and I'm like, God, I'm, you know, I'm five days into this fast, and, and I, I, don't, I haven't moved forward in this. And the, Ho the Holy Spirit um, just really sweetly told me that that's not something you get in a download. You grow into that. That's something that you grow into. 
And I was like, oh, thank goodness. So then I go to the cafeteria and ate three chicken fried steaks and made myself sick. And so, and uh, true story. And so, and uh, anyways, you can tell I was super mature. And, uh, but we want that. We see this place where we're, we're, we don't measure up to the fullness of Christ. And then we're like, oh, I want it, I want it, I want it, and I want it now. And, and, and we want to push forward to it. And you know what? There's these places where we have to enjoy our forward progress in Christ. See, folks, patience in difficult times comes from letting God shape the way we see things. See, in that passage of Scripture where the, the body is at work bringing us into unity, well, there, it says that, that we're not in unity. We're not in unity of faith. And if we were to poll all of us in this room, we would, be, we would find that there are things we disagree on. Even though we are fellowshipping at the same church and, and, and all this, we'll find there are things we disagree on. And then if we get outside of these walls and we get with some of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are, who are worshiping right now on some other street corners, we'll find even more things we disagree on. And then we maybe get cross boundaries and get into another, other cultures and we get into other places where Christ followers are, are, are facing different things and we'll find even more things we disagree on. So we can all say that there's a place that the unity of the faith that God is working on us, we've still got a lot of ground to cover on this thing. And for us to come into a unity of faith, that means there's got to be some changes in the way we see things, the way we think, the way we look at things. And let's, before we delve deeper into that, let's look at Romans 12.12. 12. Paul's writing to the church in Rome and tells them, and this little nugget, this little tweetable verse, says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. Well, the faithful in prayer, we can kind of wrap our minds around. Yeah, we kind of should like say, yeah, I ought to do that. You know, that's a good Christian thing. But let's look at these other two. There's joyful and hope. That sounds like it's easy, but folks, you and I both know it's not. Hope's a good thing and joy's a good thing. But you try to put those two things together, and a lot of times the thing we're hoping for and we don't have it yet sucks the joy right out of it. All of a sudden, just, just plan a trip and pay for it. Plan a trip, get all everything paid for, get everything done, and now all you got to do is wait for the date. It's just like, oh my goodness, here's something that's wonderful and exciting, but it's like it's not here yet, and it just all of a sudden the work days feel longer, and everything feels terrible, and, and all of a sudden something that's wonderful, we've created some personal mild misery in our lives because we just can't wait for it to happen. We do this over and over again with so many different things. Honestly, we begin to see God at work in some places of dysfunction in our lives. Maybe some dysfunction in, our, in a marriage or something. And you see, begin to have a little hope. And you're like, okay, man, I think we're going somewhere. But you're not there all at once. And then you get frustrated and all of a sudden this tension comes in when really the hope that it's going to be dealt with should be enough to give you some joy while the spouse is still being a little bit of an idiot in the process. So they're still being a little bit hard to deal with in the process. But the hope that you're going to get there should bring some joy into the fact that you're not there yet. It should be able to couple those two things together. And then patient and affliction. My goodness, all we want 
from affliction is it to leave. That's all we want is affliction to stop, affliction to go away. But here's this place where sometimes there's some, there's some things that come in that are difficult for us to deal with in our lives. And we, there's a place where we need to be patient as God works things out. We love all of the miracle moments in the Bible. We love all the instantaneous stuff. But there's also God at work over process throughout the scriptures as well. And we have to recognize we have a God who is a miraculous God and can do things in an instant. And he can also begin to help us to enjoy the journey as we move forward in him. And so we're like, my goodness, how on earth do we do this? Paul, you're giving us hard things. Be patient in affliction. Be, be joyful in hope. How do we do these things? Well, let's back up. That's when, where he jumped off. He didn't just send that out. Hey, do this. He started out earlier. Let's go to verse 2 of chapter 12. It says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So being conformed would look like being frustrated in hope. There's something I'm hoping for and I'm excited about, but it's not here yet. So now I'm just like having a hard time in the process. There's affliction and I'm just mad. I'm mad at affliction. I'm irritable at affliction. I'm hard to deal with in affliction. And you just need to get over it because I'm in affliction. And so and all of a sudden there's no Christ like there's none of this coming up. And so that's the pattern of this world. It says, but don't conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind, the way you interpret that all of this sensory stuff comes in. And you're thinking about all of these different things and how you interpret and handle it. Your mind needs to be renewed. There may be some things that you have no qualms with whatsoever that are unhealthy and not of God. And your mind needs to be renewed so you're not involved in any destructive processes or destructive activities anymore. You're not making destructive decisions anymore. We need to have our minds renewed. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. If we can see good, pleasing, and perfect, don't you think that there could be some joy there? If we can see some good, pleasing, and perfect where we couldn't see it before, don't you think there's going to be some patience there? All of a sudden, maybe with just a little shift in the way we're seeing things, that our mind is renewed and then things begin to shift differently. And the truth is, is that God reveals himself and transforms us through his word. The whole point of transformation is that something's one way and then it is shifted and becomes a different way. That's what transformation is. If it's one way, you know, if you post on Transformation Tuesday and you look just the same, it's kind of disappointing. It's not Transformation Tuesday. You're like, you got the same roles as last week, buddy. There's no transformation. So well, now I feel better about them. But roles don't bother me. That's my transformation. Well, maybe that's the transformation you needed. And so, all right. Sorry, I didn't do that to the first service. You're welcome. And, uh, but that's the whole point. Transformation means change. That's what it means. And so let's look at how God works in our lives. Let's look at Romans 
15.4. says, but whatever things were written before were written for our learning. Learning, new information, changing the way we think and process. That we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. All of a sudden, these things that were written for before, the scriptures, what God has said to us, the promises, the, us understanding who he is and how he works, him being revealed to us through his word, him revealing us to us through his word, all of a sudden begins to change us and shift us. We need to recognize that. And all of a sudden, it begins to give comfort and hope as we get as we are renewed by the scriptures. In fact, let's look at this beautiful thing, with this beautiful imagery that Paul slips in here as he's talking about the husband-wife relationship. Okay? Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, jump down to verse 25. He's talking to husbands. And he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Man, husbands out there, recognize well, there's, a, there's, a, there's this beautiful, tall imagery of what it means to be a husband and to love. It means to, to give ourselves up. It's to choose their betterment. It's to be able to live on a different level. And here, let's look. Let's look at how that Paul begins to then explain what this looked like. That Christ loved the church and gave himself up. Christ died for us. To make her holy. This is the church, the body of Christ, the believers. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Then all of a sudden, all the places that aren't right, all the places that things are a little messed up, a little marred, a little dirty, a little soiled. That he doesn't begin to come in and carve those things out and lop them off and throw them away. He begins to gently wash them. With his word. He begins to speak and show us that there's a different way. His word begins to cleanse us, to renew us, to transform us. Why? To present her, the body of Christ, to himself as a radiant church. A radiant church. When he looks at us, folks, we're blemished. We're messed up. We are. There's a reason that the people outside of here talk about the hypocrisy in the church and a lot of the stuff in the church is because it's here. It's because it's here. There's hypocrisy. There's problems. There's all sorts of different stuff wrong with the church. And praise God, praise God, that when Jesus deals with this, he's, what he's seeing is a radiant church. He's sitting there and he's interacting with us and, and pouring his water, uh, the water of his word over us and transforming us. Why? Because he sees a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. What a freeing word. Blameless. Oh my goodness. That's how he interacts with us. And it's through his word transforming us. Folks, we're only going to be able to step into the patience that God has for us. As we are transformed, as our minds are transformed, we will look at the same scenario and deal with the same thing and get frustrated and whatnot. But when we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, we'll see His good, pleasing, and perfect involved in some places we never saw it before. And then patience immediately begins to come up because we see Him at work. We see Him at work. 
And folks, one of the greatest strains on our patience is often the people in our lives. People who should be a place of affection are often a place of affliction. As the well-known philosopher Alfalfa <laughs> told Darla and the Little Rascals, this is a symbol of my undying affliction for you. And so many times when there are people in our lives that that's what it feels like. It's just more like undying affliction than more dying, undying affection. And it's just completely frustrating. But God is at work here and he gets glory. We, it's revealed who he really is. It brings him glory when we deal with one another in a life-giving, patient way. Let's look at Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, verse 1 says, We who are strong, another translation translates that word mature, ought to bear with one another, or another translation says put up with, the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. So let's stop right there. The failings of the weak, okay? Now, failing sounds like somebody was trying. That they were trying and they failed. And you know what? And we're like, you know what? At least they tried. You know, they didn't do it. But you know what? We can kind of put up with that. And we can, we can kind of bear with that um, because they were trying. That honestly, this gives this translation of the failings of the week gives us an improper thing of what Paul was actually trying to communicate here as he is writing to the Romans. Okay? They're in the, in the Roman church. They've got people from all these sorts of walks of life, all different stuff that have come together under the banner that Jesus is Christ, Jesus is Messiah, Jesus is Savior, which means they have all sorts of mindsets, all sorts of, it is a cosmopolitan city. There are people from all over. So they've got, people have different issues and different things. And so, um, and there are things that, that, that some, some cultures are completely fine with that other cultures find completely offensive. And then there are things that in Christ that aren't life-giving. There's some things that we need to, to not do because they don't bring life. Not because they're going to send us to hell because Christ has renewed us. But there are things that are destructive in our lives that we need to let go of and let our minds be renewed. And so what this actually is showing, let's jump down right quick to Romans chapter 15 verse 1 in the New King James translation. New King James uses a, a word we don't use a whole lot. Let's look at this. It says, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Scruples? We don't hear the word scruples a whole lot. And so we don't throw that one around. You probably didn't use that one this week. You probably didn't show up on your text stream at all. And, and so, but this word scruple is this thing of having this hesitancy or this misgiving about doing something that is of a moral or proprietary nature. So something that's considered proper. Okay, And if someone has these scruples about doing something, they have this sort of moral battle about whether or not they should be doing it. And someone without scruples does it without thinking about it. They're like, I have no, have no misgiving about it. Okay, So let's think about a toddler, you know, and they come up and they decide they want a french fry. you know, And you may or may not have experienced... You know, go into a restaurant and some random child go by and grab your french fry. 
And so, and you see a two-year-old all of a sudden just do it, or your, your cousin's child comes over at the family reunion and just grabs the food off your plate. Well, that's your food, you know? You'd have given it if they had asked, but you know, that's our, our culture says you should, you know, you shouldn't take stuff off of people's plate. And, um, and so, yes. Yeah, you uh, want to make Keenan mad. Uh, well, that's, he don't like people touching his food, so. And... Um, Anyways, and so we, but we put up with it because we recognize that this toddler is immature, that they have not built in these scruples to be able to bring some context about grabbing the food. So you and I, so here's what this is really saying, is that there's some people are gonna, in the church who are going to do things that are offensive and have no bones about it, have no qualms about it whatsoever. And we who are mature need to put up with that. Why should we put up with something with that people are doing that's just flat out wrong? Why the things that because how are they going to be transformed if they're not connected with the body of Christ? Remember what the body does? We talked about this, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, the body's at work, helping us to grow into this place of maturity. If all of a sudden we disconnect them, we don't put up with them, how are they going to grow? How are they going to do those things? They're infants in Christ. Infants in Christ are going to do some messed up stuff. And you and I, who are maybe a little more mature, need to be able to deal with that and be able to do it. Let's back up and let's see what beautiful thing happens when this takes place. Verse 2 says, Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ didn't please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Oh my goodness, so this passage of scripture that we just looked at about God changing our minds and the scriptures helping us, this has most to do with with people. It has most to do with dealing with people. This is what we need to be renewed in the way we deal with one another. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring Praise to God. Now, folks, it's one thing for a toddler to come over and grab the fries off of your, your plate. But sometimes that thing gets turned on its head. And, and sometimes it's the more mature. And we still have to be able to recognize and deal with some things. My, I have scruples about grabbing other people's food, just so you know. Um, but we're invited to a, a little birthday party this week. And so we're out at the, the, the swimming pool and... So we're, we're there, and they have cupcakes and all these different things. And um, the little girls get the, the cupcakes, and I was not going to eat a cupcake because um, I want Transformation Tuesday to happen. And, and, and so, um, so I was not going to eat the cupcake. And um, anyway, so Colin, my six-year-old, finds me and tells me, uh, Dad, I'm, I'm done with my cupcake. Normally what that means is I've eaten what I was going to eat of it, and what's left, I'm done with. And so um, she never tells me, I finished all my food. She doesn't say that. And so I'm like, okay, you're, you're fine. I'm not going to force feed a cupcake down your throat. 
Um, you know, that's fine. So then, you know, in a moment of weakness, you know, I started, huh, cupcakes. Forget Transformation Tuesday. We're going for Fat and Happy Friday. And so, and, uh, and so we, uh, so then I decided I want a cupcake because my mind wasn't renewed enough. And, um, and so, and I, there was only a handful of cupcakes left on the party deal, and I go to where my daughter was sitting, and I see a cupcake with one bite out of it. It's right where she was sitting, and I'm like, all right, that's, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, you know, this was going to get thrown away. I'm going to be a good daddy here. And so I take the cupcake, and I take a bite out of the cupcake. And right as I'm doing that, um, this little three-year-old girl comes over and goes, my cupcake. <laughs> And my daughter had eaten all her cupcake. And this was that little girl's cupcake. So here the pastor shows up at the party and eats the little girl's cupcake. And there were no more chocolate cupcakes. It was done. I'm like, well, I got cooties. And so. (laughs) And so, uh, not really. Uh, She got another piece of cake. Um, I did finish that cupcake, though. And so. um, But then there she stuck. She's stuck there. Now she's some, some joker done took her cupcake. And she was savoring it. She wasn't just gobbling it down. She was taking a little bite and go swim and come back and then savor another little bite. And somebody just takes it. And, uh, and so she's at an impasse. She's got to figure out what she's got to do. And she maybe has to go find a new pastor. And, and so, and thankfully, her, she did not tell her parents, um, we can't go to Celebration Church anymore because uh, that man eats my cupcakes. And so, um, so they're here this morning. Bless God. She forgave me. And so, um, but anyways, there's, every time there's this place where these scruples, where these things that ought to be clear, easy boundaries get violated accidentally, on purpose, Somebody did it, and it's not even sorry, because they didn't even know they should be sorry. All of a sudden, the fence is a fence is a fence, however you got there. And now we've got to decide, are we going to be able to stay together and work together and stay the body of Christ and work through this? Or are we going to have one more fissure and one more division and one more rip? What are we going to do? Forgiveness is going to have to be there and be able to deal with that and do that. And God gets glory from that, folks. He gets glory. Folks, God's strength is the source of true patience as we wrap up. And I just shoved too much in this message, and I'm sorry. Um, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 12. Uh, we're going to jump in verse 9. Right before this is the Paul's thorn in the flesh. And it's hotly debated on what that thorn in the flesh was. It's a, it's a metaphor, so we don't know what exactly it is. Um, and so there are those who think of some sort of ailment or some sort of sickness or whatnot. I, I'm about to show you why I don't agree with that. Um, and so, but he, there's this thing that's bothering him, and he prays to God and asks three times. And this is the answer after he's prayed three times. But God replies in verse 9. He said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. It says, therefore, and if you read this, that this is some sort of sickness, then that means that sometimes praying for healing, that sometimes God's going to say, no, I'm going to leave that on you for a little longer. And and we don't see that anywhere in the scriptures ever. We don't see that. 
But that's not even impertinent in this passage. This has to do with dealing with people. It says, therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that my so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults. Where do those come from? People. In hardships, that's all sorts of different ways. It can be physical hardships. In persecutions, where does that come from? People. In difficulties, all sorts of places, but certainly people. For when I am weak... Then I am strong. I don't have time to get into it, but you'll see there's a passage there in Judges, and then there's a passage in Numbers and Joshua, and there are three other places. And biblical hermeneutics, which is how to interpret the Scriptures, says that when at all possible, you let the Scriptures interpret the Scriptures. And so there's three other places that the metaphor of thorn in the flesh or thorn in the side is used in the Scriptures. Three other times. So the only time in the New Testament we see it is here with Paul. But there's three other times which Paul knew the Bible inside and out. And so we see three other times. And it's always in reference to people. Always. It's always in reference to people. So here is the picture we get is that there is some individual, some person. In fact, prior it's called a, he calls it a messenger of Satan. Sounds like a person to me who has given him a hard time and persecuting him. And he wants him to go away. And he finds out the answer to his prayer is, his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. When we are dealing with one another and it's hard to deal with, God's grace is sufficient. Let's wrap this up with Colossians 1.9. It says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We've continually asked God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in, <clears throat> in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. So he's the source of the strength given us power, his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. He's brought us in. He's done the work. He empowers us. He's the one who's a source of strength for endurance and patience. It's him, it's him, it's him. And why? Because he's at work pulling you and I together, growing us up into the fullness of Jesus, growing us up into making us this glorious, beautiful, radiant church. And if you and I aren't patient with one another, we will work against that process. So we have to be incredibly, incredibly, supernaturally patient. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.